Hello guys, welcome back to this week's Blame It on the VR. Today I'm joined by Karis. Good to be back, people. And Peter. Hey guys. Alright, and we've had uh, we've had an interesting weekend and some decent results in the Champions League. We've got a lot to talk about today and we're going to start uh, City Burnley. City, huge 5-0 win and people have been questioning Pep recently, but off the back of an extension, he's pulled one out of the top drawer and Karis, is that a statement win for him? Um, yeah, definitely. Like, you know, Pep's been under pressure. Like, the only other top six that six side that has been as bad as us is basically Man City. And, you know, it's a good statement for them because, like, at least... But then we know that every year they always batter Burnley anyway. It's always a cricket score with them. Yeah. But, yeah, they, they, did, they did well. Like, there were loads of good performances, especially Riyad Mahrez getting a hat-trick because he's been under some stick for, you know, people saying he's been a bit selfish and stuff. But... You know, it's good for him to get that hat-trick for his confidence. Yeah, 100%. I, I was really impressed with Mahrez's performance. Like, he just, he had four key passes as well. Like, he was just, he was he was doing everything. And this is kind of the Mahrez that I grew up watching, the Mahrez I know. Like, he's such a high-quality player who I'm a big fan of. And like, it, it, as much as I hate City, it was nice to see him perform, especially knowing the kind of stick that he gets at times, which I think a lot of it is unwarranted. But... No, it was it was a it was a huge performance. Like P- Peter, what do you think of like his performance in general? I think it speaks for himself. He was really talismanic in that first half, especially for City. City have been poor, like Karis has said, and I feel like with the extension of Pep's contract, it really has given them a boost that he is here to stay and he is here to try. I wonder like what that would mean for their recent form, but I do expect them to like pick it up. A 5-0 win, even though it is Burnley and that has been their, like, stomping ground for the last few seasons. But I just feel like, especially, they're just going to kick on from now. They look like the best that they've had been. They probably put out the best performance of a Premier League team. It was dominant start to finish. And if not for a few flying lines, it would have been 6 or 7 nil as well. Mares, yeah. Mares was incredible probably warrants to continue in that right-wing role over the likes of maybe Sterling due to Sterling's poor form. Ferran getting back into it. Jesus looking potent. Kevin De Bruyne looking good. I feel like January is when we're going to see how how much they can do because they do have some like gaps in their squad. So they're not comfortable with centre-back. Laporte has been poor. Their defensive midfield has been poor without Fernandinho. So, yeah, they're, they're looking like a serious outfit again. Yes, yeah. I, I think Rodri just, he doesn't seem to fit that role that Fernandinho played. Like, he he retains the ball really well, but he just, he's so slow. And it's just, it's hard to watch him move at times. And <laughs> one thing about Fernandinho was his mobility. Like, he was all over the place. Rodri is the complete opposite in that sense. And just his, his defensive anticipation just seems a bit off at times. Like, don't get me wrong, we all know what he can do on the ball, but just, like, off him. I see why City fans have some nicknames for him. Not all of them, but there's a few that do. So, like, it's, it's stark contrast to how Spurs got Hoybierg and he's done so well in that role. I feel like he could have been doing Rodri's role a bit better, in my opinion, but... 
But yeah, I completely agree. Like when I was watching Koibiag at Southampton, what he, I was really impressed with the way he played. Like he covers a lot of ground. He just he he dictates play really well. But no, City definitely need a defensive midfielder, and it's, it looks like at the moment it will be Zakaria from Mönchengladbach or Ben Asser from AC Milan, who they'll go for. And Karras, Ben Asser is a player who you guys let go actually. Yeah, and obviously it hurts. There's so many that we let go, like not just him. Gnabry, Ren Adelaide, Donya Marlin at PSV. So there's quite a few, actually. Well, Ben Asser, from the little I've seen, he's looked decent. Like, you know, he can dictate play with his passing and he's equally as tenacious as well. And I can see why a lot of top clubs have wanted to go for him. And some people have a few concerns over his height. And, like, you know how we used to have Lucas Torreira and stuff. But yeah. I, don't think, I don't think it's really a serious problem. If you've got that technical ability that he has on the ball, and the way he can dictate a game, I think is perfect for Pep's side, and they need to get him as soon as they can. Yeah, he's 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 excellent at resisting pressure too. You know what I've been saying for a while. I think United need to look at him because he's kind of he's exactly the kind of player we need in our pivot. But we can talk about United later. City, yeah, Benasser would be a good signing for them. One signing who is like like Peter just mentioned, Ferran is finding his form and. He's kind of just quiet. He's kind of just quietly gone about his business, and he's kind of starting to come into it now. And like, what's 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 our expectations for him? I feel like Ferran. He he's very young. I feel I don't know if I was the only one who assumed he was like twenty two, twenty three, but he's literally twenty, and it's crazy to me. Uh, but I do feel like he can grow to be what Sane couldn't be for. Uh, City and he even has tendencies of a nine so he can be like a great goal scorer he's started off pretty he started off decently he's not set the world on fire aside from this hat trick but there is potential there you can see that he is a great player and even though he is a Spanish winger and all of them suck he's shown that he can score he can create I feel like he can develop into like a 20-goal-a-season striker, a 20-goal-a-season winger, which will be really helpful to both City and Spain. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely, he's got that kind of, those instincts that you need as a goal scorer, but he's, he's, he's pretty good on the ball. Like, on the ball, to me, he seems better than Sterling is on the ball, though it's just... It's was it's 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 all more about developing that kind of goal scorer's instinct. But you know what? I'm confident he can do it, and he's under the right guy to develop that. We've seen what Pep did to Raheem Sterling. You know his talent ID and the way he works for attackers has always been fantastic. So, you know, I'm I'm confident he'll turn Ferran into a top player. Karis, I'm sure you echo that. Yeah, definitely. Like, I've only seen like small bits of him at Valencia, and now he's come to City, but. You can see that, yeah, he's gone quite well about his business, but he's like a winger that's got all the fundamentals, like, down to a tee, and he'll only get better and develop his goal-scoring ability with the more games he plays and the more he learns on the pep. And the good thing about him is that he's got a decent bit of pace and can dribble quite well. Um, and that even his passing just seems to be quite tidy. And as Peter said, I feel like he's somebody that, you know, could play across the front nine and do some damage for City. So, just as he said, he's 20 years old, so he won't be starting every game. Let him rotate with Sterling or Mahrez. And when he hits, like, 23, let's say, we'll really see him 
start to properly peak. But he's already a good player right now anyway. So it was a great signing. And I think it was quite cheap as well. I can't remember how much he was, but... Yeah, it was 20 million. 20 million. So yeah, Valencia would do some crazy fire sell. I don't know how City got a free run at him, but... Yeah, it was a really good signing for them. Yeah, here's, here's my weekly... Uh, that's this much more than we paid for Dan James. That's just five million more than we paid for Dan James. And I say this every week, but it just, that signing annoys me. Like how are there so many talented wingers out there that have gone for so cheap and been so good and we decided to go for Daniel James? Like, I just, it, it frustrates me. But no, let's, let's talk about Liverpool now. They drew 1-1 with Brighton and again, they dropped points. So like this season, they've, won six, drawn three and lost one in 10 games. The entirety of last season, they drew three and lost three. So, like, already they've almost dropped as many points as they did in the entirety of last season. We're just 10 games in. And that, how much is this going to hurt their title charge, Peter? Uh, I do think they're still favourites for the title. There's, despite all their injuries, their front line is probably one of the best in world football, even though Firmino has been stinking it up. Uh, they have the best wing-back pairing and the best wing front, well, the best winger pairing as well. And their injury crisis has really derailed them. However, they still have a solid midfield as well. I feel like the biggest miss that they have will be Van Dijk. Everything else, they'll just rotate through. But as I said, they're still favourites. No one else has really stake to claim well no one else of the established sides mainly City have really staked to claim to say yes we're going to be pushing them um, the the point upon them like using almost what is it now four points less than they did all of last season within the yeah. first ten games that's insane I, I don't know what it is with them watching them play it feels like sometimes there's I hate to use it, but there's not enough like desire there. They, they've done what they wanted to do. And it seems like some players are taking a day off. Neko Williams, even though he's young, I don't think he's going to make it at Liverpool. Makes way too many mistakes. They didn't look threatening against Brighton. Um, they did get a goal disallowed, which would have won them the game. But Jed Brighton did deserve to win that game. Brighton did have the better chances. And uh, as I said, they don't look as threatening as they did last season. These are the type of games that things aren't going well for Liverpool. But they would grind to like a little, uh, get, a, get a goal, get a win, get the three points. It happened so many times last season. And I think like maybe it's the fear factor from opponents. They're not as scared of Liverpool anymore as soon as they see them being able to get beaten. Yeah, I completely agree. Also, Brighton, there was that missed penalty from Mope. And again, like, that's two players who have now put a penalty wide against Liverpool. There's got to be some kind of black magic going on here. Like, uh, how you put a penalty wide alone, uh, <laughs> it baffles me. But for it to happen against the same club, like, twice in the space of weeks, that's, that's, there's something dodgy going on there. But no, um, being serious now, like, yeah, Brighton definitely looked like they had the better chances that they should have won the game. Obviously, there were a few tight VAR calls. So Brighton's first penalty for me, Stonewall penalty. The second one, again, he's just completely kicked out Welbeck's foot. Like, a lot of people tried to argue it, but I just don't see 
how you can really argue that. Like, I think it's one of the things that it's. It might look different in real time compared to how it looks like in the slow mo. Because I was analysing it for time, and it took me so long to realise that maybe Robson just about kicked Welbeck's foot before they kind of connected together. Like it was kind of hard to see that in real time, really. But yeah, could argue whether it was clear and obvious or not. That's the main thing. Yeah, Yeah, that that would be VAR is weird. So. Definitely, if the ref had given a penalty, there there shouldn't be any complaints. Welbeck got the ball first. He got the ball away from Robertson. And as Robertson's trying to clear it, he goes through Welbeck's foot. And that that is a penalty. Uh, especially with like the way football is and it's like you're allowed very minimal contact in the box. However, the the whole thing with VAR is that it was supposed to overturn clear and obvious errors and in no way is that clear and obvious. Yeah, that's that's a subjective decision and that's this is what I find annoying about VAR. It gets involved in too many subjective decisions where if there's a clear and it's, it's if if it's not clear and obvious, like there's no need to get involved realistically. But no, there was there was some tough VAR calls and one other thing that was brought up after the game, Jurgen Klopp, uh, he touched upon kind of how these ma- the scheduling of the matches and how it's all for broadcast and stuff. He blamed it on the broadcasters. He blamed it on the Premier League. He even took a shot at Chris Wilder for voting about not having five substitutions. And he's just, what he's saying is it's, it's not easy. Like he's got the early kickoff having played a Wednesday game in the Champions League and like he just he doesn't have enough rest time, and then with the five subs, he's, he was saying I would have taken Robertson off because he was tired. And like, what? Just do you, do you guys think he's right? Like, and I know Ole Gunnar Solskjaer touched on this a few weeks ago as well. Like, is the scheduling unfair in this season, considering what's been going on in the world, considering COVID and stuff? It, the, do does something need to change? I feel like it's too late for anything to change now since everything's been in the works. We're all trying to get back to normality and football is part of normality for especially British culture. I feel like what should have been done is the international friendlies be scrapped because there's genuinely no benefit to them. And then you would have been able to spread out the fixtures a bit more. The fixture, um, the fixture, I forgot the word, how compact the fixture is, is really um, a detriment to the teams that are playing in the Champions League and the Europa League especially. Because the teams that aren't are getting a week's rest between every game. And they all had, despite having a lower break over summer, they still managed to get some rest and recuperation during the week. Whereas for um, Premier League, squads that are in the Champions League or in Europe, the congestion is obviously clearly taking its effects on the players. Like, look at the amount of players that look gassed after 70 to 80 minutes. Look at the amount of players that are developing muscle injuries, especially, like, the the Liverpool team, because probably due to how intense they've played over the last two seasons, it's taken a massive, massive toll. And... Moving forward, I don't think there's much we can do unless there, unless the international schedules are scrapped and maybe even like the the Carling Cup and 
yeah, it's just competitions that aren't as big or aren't as important. Or even if be... they even if they change and allow teams to have five subs at some point, like that that's one thing. But no, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Like it's harder for the teams who are play it's for who are playing in Europe and stuff because they get less rest and in the time we're in now, like it it's worse than in previous years. So and yeah, we've seen a lot of injuries and stuff like Marcus Rashford's shoulder he had to come off yesterday because his shoulder was really killing him and that was an injury from a few weeks back and like we know Rashford plays a lot we know he overplays we know sometimes Ole is kind of reluctant to rest him but in other years would this kind of be happening like we then there needs to be there obviously it's hard to change things now but it should have been planned out better that's the thing we don't really know what would happen in previous years compared to now. But one thing I will say is that Gary Neville kind of touched on it in a discussion with Jamie Carragher. And he was saying that even though he was slightly obtuse in his way of arguing, he did make a good point saying that, you know, the number of games that are coming in every week haven't exactly changed. Like, they're not coming as fast as they were before. But what I think that the authority didn't take into account is that, you know, so many seasons had ended abruptly because of the COVID-19 crisis or pandemic, as you actually say. Um, other than seasons ending early, like, you know, not a lot of teams have had the optimal amount of time to recover to start the new season. As we said before, the international games, is just adding so much workload that just isn't manageable for any top-level athlete. And they're doing, they're doing everything on their last legs, basically. So... For me, for sure, we just need to scrap the international games firstly and secondly, just to bring those five subs if there is a way because it does make sense just for the sake of players' health. I don't know why you'd really go against it, to be honest. And one thing I wanted to also touch on from the game against Liverpool versus Brighton, I feel like we haven't talked much about Brighton's performance and I feel that Basuma is one that deserves a lot of praise for the way he played. He won the most tackles in that game of five and he won the most duels of 13. So just in general, he's been quite underrated going about his business. Like He can drive forward when he's going back defensively. He has a good engine. He's just part of a new wave of midfielders that can just shuffle about physically and just athletically and do the job. And he's been linked to Liverpool and Arsenal today as well. So... He's definitely one to look out for, and he had a good performance at against Liverpool. Yeah, and and see, I'm a fan of Bissouma. I've been a fan of him for a while, but I first really noticed him post lockdown, just how good he was. And like, yeah, he resists the press well. He he can he can pass the ball comfortably. He's got a real, like you said, he's got a real engine. And it doesn't surprise me that a team like Liverpool are interested in him because, but like, he seems like he'd fit them well. Arsenal too. Like he'd bring some real kind of tenacity to your midfield he'd, he'd be a good partner for Thomas Partey and you know he is really key to that Brighton team possibly their most key player because everything just seems to kind of go through him in midfield like he's just he he runs he runs the game for them just in general Brighton they played really well and that's the thing I've noticed about Brighton they're actually in terms of how they play they're generally one of the better teams in the league it's just they seem to lack that player who can just get those decisive goals 
But they've got, like I said, they've got they've got quality players in defence. I think Dunk, Ben White are solid players. Webster too. Matt Ryan's a decent goalkeeper. They've got Lamptey at wing back, who obviously has shown promise. Bissouma in midfield. Trossard, I think, is a pretty decent as kind of an attacking midfielder or a winger. He off he's good creatively, but you know, Mopé scored goals last season, but they're missing that player who can just win them games like that. Like a lot of their games, they should have won. But they just can't seem to convert those chances. Like they need, they're missing that. They're missing that striker. I feel like it's something that they can look for, whether it's in January or summer. Depends how urgent they feel it is. But the thing with Brighton is that they're creating chances consistently, and their way of playing on the green Potter is brilliant. So I feel like a lot of the time they've also missed a lot of luck. So I think their luck will come, and regardless of whether they get a striker or not. I feel like they will end up surviving the league for sure. And I feel like personally they should wait till the summer to get the best tracker they can because I feel like there's a lot of gems in the championship as um, Villa showed with getting Oddie Watkins and his replacement Ivan Tony. I keep talking about him every week. He's yeah. still scoring goals. I feel like he could be a good one for Brighton's target to hit that next level where they want to be. Yeah, I was going to say Ivan Tony. I'd, I'd say um, Brighton should go for the guy that Arsenal missed out on, Edouard, if they can afford him. I feel like it'll be a nice way for to see him test himself in the Premier League, see how good he can be, because he's a dangerous striker and he suits what Graham Potter's is trying to play with um, Brighton. He runs in behind, he's pacey, he's also, he can also bring in other players into the team and it'll be nice to see him challenge himself against a higher level of opposition. Yeah, that's that's a good shot actually, Edward to Brighton. But um, one final thing about the Liverpool game: Diogo Jota scored again, and like he's just been—he just can't stop. He's been so good ever since he joined Liverpool, and it's—it's it's like we saw he—he he was quality but inconsistent at Wolves, but he just—he seems to be consistently scoring at Liverpool now. And unless this is just an elongated purple patch, like, like how many goals do you expect him to score this season? Yeah, with Jota, I expect him to... Well, I don't know. It's kind of early in the season at the moment. So, we'll just have to wait and see if he can sustain this. But what's funny is that Wolves fans were not too sad to see him go because at the time, he didn't get him to the starting eleven. But ever since he hit Liverpool, he just can't stop scoring. So, I feel like 15 Premier League goals at least is a very realistic target. If we can get more, we'll see. So... Yeah, so far he's been great and his goal against Brighton was well taken. That faint before he shot. So he's been doing well. Yes, yeah. I'd expect around kind of 15 goals, that kind of mark as well. It's a very solid mark, to be honest. That's even something that Tammy Abraham, for example, who's much maligned, he got 15 Premier League goals last season. So it's a very achievable number. And yeah, if you can get more... And we've seen a lot of improvement in Abraham, actually. But um, moving on now, uh, United 3, Southampton 2. So we went 2-0 down kind of in that first half. It was not... And, you know, we should have actually been winning. Like, we missed some good chances, but Cavani coming on completely changed the game. And just, like, wow, he really impressed me. He got an assist, a, a goal, two goals and an assist. And it's just... It was... It was it was it was that first goal of his. The movement was just crazy. Like how he even thought to make that run was just—I was amazed generally. And I think 
that kind of profile. We've we, we've been missing that kind of profile in the team. We obviously everyone knows I'm a fan of Martial, but he's out of form right now. And having a striker like Cavani who can come in and offer something different, I feel like that's really useful to us. Like Peter, I'm sure you'd agree. Yeah, definitely. Um, Cavani's strengths are what we've really been missing in our attackers recently. And as you were speaking, the movement from the first goal, I was like, you could speak to all of my house and I was in Oregon for like a couple of days. It's, it, I was saying to them, this is a person that you can tell has scored 300 career goals. This is a person that holds multiple goal scoring records for different teams. And like the fact that he not only anticipated a deflection on a shot, but then positioned his body well enough to redirect the ball away from the keeper and into the goal twice. It was just incredible for him. I feel like we do have, he's going to be a good voice in the changing room. United have lacked a lot of leaders in recent years as like our old guard has passed, passed or moved through. And the younger players are just like, this is what they've grown accustomed to. They've grown accustomed to us being like a, peripheral top four side rather than the title contenders and title winners that we should be. So getting in people that are used to winning trophies, getting in people that are used to winning every single game they play, not only that, but they could also like help teach some of the younger strikers. So, so I was speaking with a mate and Greenwood can be developed so much just by playing with Cavani, seeing how a number nine should operate, seeing how a number nine should create spaces, drag runs, drag centre-backs. I just feel like his presence and the signing has been really good for free as well. Surprised that no one else went for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised Barcelona didn't actually, considering their number nine is Martin Braithwaite. And I know he's been in good form, but he's not Cavani. And like... He's bad and messy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, but Cavani is, yeah, again, like, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. You need players like Cavani in a dressing room. He's a leader. He's an experienced winner. He's got the right mentality. And, like, players can learn of him. Like, I know Martial's not exactly a young player anymore, but, and it's, it's going to be harder to improve it now, but his movement needs work. And you know what? I've seen good movement from him in the past. That France-Portugal game, his off-ball movement was excellent, but we need to see it more consistently. And that's my thing with Martial. And I think having a player like Cavani, not only to provide competition to kind of keep Martial on his toes, but to see Martial, to have Martial watch him make the kind of runs he does, see space the way he does, just do the things he does. I think that will really help Martial hit his next level and you know Cavani is a real test for Martial as a striker at Manchester United and I think I have belief that in the long run it will pay off and that we'll see a better Martial once Cavani's left United I think the the good thing about Cavani is that obviously 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 experience oh sorry Um, yeah sorry I'll let you speak after but yeah the thing with Cavani that people forget as well is that when he was in France, he was the he's PSG's all-time top scorer. So that just tells you about the pedigree and what he offers in front of goal. Like obviously a lot of rivals were, you know, laughing a little bit, thinking that oh he's old, this, this, that. And near the end of his time, you know, he got displaced by Icardi, he got displaced by Moise Keane. So that's a bit 
crazy. But since you've come into the side, he's just offered you amazing movement. Like, for me, in his prime, his movement is probably one of the best that I've ever seen, like, ever watching football, to be honest. Like, even now, his movement's still fantastic, as it always has been. Just the way he runs in behind centre-backs, uses those blindsiders runs to good effect. He's just a all-round brilliant player. And he was unfortunate yesterday not to score, obviously, but that's for another time. Yeah. Hey, Peter, go ahead. I was going to say the thing with um, Marcel and his movement, and as you said, the France game was one of the best displays of movement I've seen from him like in his career. But I feel like he's one of those players that he, he, he makes a lot of runs at the start of games, but the less he's found, the less interested he becomes in making runs. And as a nine, you're supposed to like maintain that because the runs are not only for yourself, they're for the people around you. You making a run drags away a centre-back, giving your winger or your central midfielder more space and more time. So he just needs to get that into his game a little bit more. I feel like after the miss yesterday, you could see that he was playing himself about more. Like, after the miss, he was probably our best player until he got subbed off. But he was playing himself about more. He was making more runs. He was playing really good passes, getting good touches off. And we just need to see him get his goal-scoring touchback, and I think he'll be back to his best. Yeah, and I think, you know, what? that's one thing we've always known about Martial. He's a major confidence player now. He's lucky this weekend, West Ham has always been kind of his favourite team to play against. But if he can score against them, I'm predicting he goes on a run of good form again like we saw post-lockdown or after Bruno came in. Like, it's just that one goal that's missing. Like, you know what? In recent weeks, I actually think, bar obviously the finishing, Martial's played well and the finishing is uncharacteristic. Like, realistically, when have you ever seen Martial's finishing this bad in his career? Never. Like, it's out of character. It's clearly a blip in form, but I think everything else about his game has been excellent. It's just, it's that movement, but... Like I said, I think having Cavani and I think that hunger, it just, it, it'll, we'll see the best of him soon. His quality will shine through. The thing with Martial is that I just don't feel like, I don't really see the hype that you guys give him, if I'm being completely honest. Like, I'm not saying he's a bad player by any means. Like, we saw yesterday that he can bring players into the game, even at his lowest of points. But, I feel like Man United fans have this idea that Martial is some really prolific player. And I don't think he's ever really been that. And you're just expecting so much of him just because he's wearing the number nine shirt. Like, don't get me wrong. Last season, he did well, especially post-lockdown. I think he got the second most non-penalty goals in the league, was it? It was either the most or second most. Yeah, I believe it was Danny Ings that might have been ahead, if I'm not wrong. And yeah, I, remember I think it was Ings. But, um... Yeah, so to get that was good. But a lot of his form for me came post-lockdown. And don't get me wrong, he was in world-class form then. But the whole idea was that, you know, will he be able to maintain that going into next season? And so far, he's not really done himself well. Like, Lacazette shouldn't be performing better than you because Lacazette is terrible. And for me, I'm just, like, just in front of goal, I'm just seeing a lot of, like, red alerts, basically. Like, I'm not sure if it's uncharacteristic at the moment, and he just really needs to improve right now for me. 
Yeah, I, I, like I said, I think it's a lot down to confidence because I've watched him all throughout his career be so good at finishing. He's missing chances that, you know, I've seen him put away with his eyes closed. Like, you know, it's to me, it's very uncharacteristic. I think the confidence is clearly affecting him quite a lot. But I really do believe in Martial. I think, like I said, I think his quality will shine through. But it right now, it's just it's low confidence is kind of killing him. But no, having that's the good thing about having Cavani there. That if Martial's out of form, you know what he we don't we can drop him maybe, or we can move him to the left, and we can bring in someone like Cavani who, you know who will we know will perform and it will give Martial that inspiration just to kind of get back on it and this this is the beauty of squad depth and it's something I've always said like we need we need squad depth but just in general our performance like we we pressed really well against Southampton we created chances but even after going 2-0 down we didn't stop and has Ole Gunnar Solskjaer changed the mentality of this United team I I would say hmm, that, that's a difficult question. I would say because you see different sides of it. At at some in some games we go behind and we falter. In some games we go behind and we just don't try, heads drop, players stop making runs, players stop trying, players start to hide and players start to play safe. In Arsenal being one example, we went behind and then even nothing nothing was happening even before that in the match. But then you have other occurrences like Southampton that we go behind and suddenly everyone comes out to play. Loads of chances are being created. I don't even think we played that well against Southampton in the sec after we went down. I think oh, we did play better than we usually do. And... Um, yeah, we did play better than we usually do, but the goals we scored came from either set pieces or just ridiculously like insane pieces of play. However, I do feel like it's nice to see your team fighting back against teams, especially against teams that they should be beating. So I feel like the mentality is getting better where we're believing in ourselves more. We're believing that we can win these games and that's definitely helpful, helping. That's definitely helping in the long run. Yeah, no, um, definitely. Like, it's nice to see your team come back and fight back. And actually, we had a similar win to this in our final season. Uh, early on under Sir Alex, Southampton were beating us, but we came back to where I'm not saying that Ole is a Sir Alex or that we're going to go on to win the league or anything. But it's just it's wins like this that make the difference for big teams. And we need... <clears throat> We need to see this more often, but yeah, I agree with you that it, it's inconsistent at times. That sometimes we'll show amazing kind of fight and desire, and that alone wins us games that we're struggling in. And sometimes, like we can see the goal, our heads drop. And Spurs was an example that we just completely crumbled. We fell apart that game, but that was an anomaly. Like I think our mentality is improving, but it's just consistency is our biggest issue, and it's so frustrating that we are so inconsistent. Like, and I feel like that's part of the reason why I think we need to replace Solskjaer because I just, I see how talented this team is and I feel like we could be getting more out of them at times. I feel like a better manager would be more consistent unless, unless the players are just bad. But 
I, I don't believe that. Like, I see a lot of talent in this team. I just, that's just how I think. But one team in poor form who we're going to have to talk about now is Arsenal. They lost uh, 2-1 to Wolves in a game kind of overshadowed by that horror injury. I, I do hope Jimenez gets better soon and can play football again. But one thing I want to know is why did Louise stay on the pitch after that collision? To be honest, it's one of those things where under the concussion protocol, Louise was responding well. Like, you know, they might ask stuff like, you know, what time, um, not what time it is, but like, where are you playing? Who are you playing against? Stuff like that. I don't know exactly how the protocol works, but I feel like it's something along those lines. But obviously he must have responded well, so they let him continue. But then as things went on, there was more blood coming out from the wound on his head. Like, he felt okay to continue, to be honest. But it's one of those things where, in hindsight, he probably should have come off despite, um, like, testing well against the protocol, really. And at least he came off at half-time because he had problems heading the ball, which is what he reported back. Yeah, and I mean, so, obviously, half time it, it was good. He came off half time. I just, I just think it was wait after a collision like that, especially having seen what it did to Jimenez and seeing just how tough that position was. I just don't think he should have been able to stay on. I think even if he said he was fine, the medical team should have made the better judgment and said, okay, look, you might think you're fine, but we're gonna have to take you off anyway because this is just way too risky. That's that's just what I think. But in general, another loss for you guys, like, you got any thoughts on the performance, just the way you played in general? It was just awful to be honest. Like, most of these months under Arteta, this, uh, under Arteta it seems to be Gabriel who's been the one that has been carrying us most, most of the time. And even he was troubled a little bit, but it wasn't really Gabriel's fault anyway. It was more a case of that in midfield, Shaka and Sabayos just could not circulate the ball at all. We really, really missed Thomas Partey in there. Even Elneny was missing who had COVID. So just the fact that they both have engine, they can get about and defend, and they're slightly press resistant. We missed both of those players hugely. But even then, just on the attack, we can't really string a few good passes together. Like Aubameyang just seems out of the game quite a lot of the time. Even himself... He wasn't really trying enough and making those runs that we know he usually does. So, yeah, just all around, we didn't really perform well other than Willie, unsurprisingly, who got uh, an assist for Gabriel. We didn't really play well at all. So it was just shocking all around. And we just need to improve creatively. Yeah, and, and again, I, th- I think just just you're lacking that kind of innovative, creative player who kind of makes something happen out of nothing who just provides that kind of spark like and people talk about Arteta's style as robotic but I feel like and it's just patterns 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 but then you don't have anyone who can kind of create a moment of magic bar for me Bakayo Saka but you know he obviously doesn't play every game so you know and just in general things aren't good right now I think Partey's already proven and obviously we saw PK are picked him in his draft team a couple of weeks ago. Partey just seems like... Would you, would you say Partey seems to be crucial to Arsenal looking almost like a functioning team? Yeah, it's crazy. Like, he came into the team and looked like our best player straight away. That just tells you his quality and what such a good signing it was. And it's just a shame that we haven't seen more of him because of the injury. But 
honestly, he's going to be really good for us. And I can't wait till when he does come back because I can't stand watching Shaka. He cannot turn out of trouble. Um, he's just very slow to get back. Even Ceballos just doesn't really have a, pro- a progressive bone in his body. So it was so it was a very hard game to watch, to be honest. Well, when you're looking at Wolves, like Adama Troy was weaving in and out of trouble. He was giving Tierney some problems as well. Uh, Bellerin, just as usual, just his usual performance, really. I don't have to say any more. Yeah, he's um, just bad. Rob Holding as well. He was so close to going to Newcastle on loan, but we had a little bit of an injury crisis, so he stayed. But he's terrible too. Teams just, when they play us, they realise, just target the right-hand side because if Bellerin and Holding are there, they won't be able to hack it, so... Yeah, and I saw problems. that. I, I saw that one clip of Xhaka kind of tracking back, and he was—he was just. It was so funny to watch because he just—he wasn't even looking. Like for me, I—I I just don't know how that Xhaka and Tobias pivot won the FA Cup because when I've watched them this season, it's just terrible, man. Like you don't want to watch Arsenal anymore when you see them, but hopefully they pattern up for the North London derby, basically. Yeah, they need to turn up for the game. And, and Peter, would you give an insight into kind of what Karis has been saying and just Arsenal's problems in general from an outside perspective? Peter? Hello? Yeah, uh, yeah, we we can hear you. Um, and any kind of insight into Arsenal's uh, Arsenal's issues? What what Karras has been saying that from an outside perspective, what do you, what do you think is the problem or are the problems? I just feel like it's a lack of quality in the squad. With Party being injured, you have no one that can really progress the ball from the first phase to the second phase, and. From the start of the season, even with Party, you've had trouble progressing the ball from the second phase to the third phase. Your best ball carrier is an 18-year-old winger who can't play every game. And your most creative player that's currently in the side is a 33-year-old inconsistent Brazilian right winger. Your best goal scorer is played out left and your number nine is just arse. So there's this genuine troubles all over the pitch. The fact that Holding starts for you and he deservedly starts for you. There's no one that can take his place. That is so poor. Your your saviour of a centre-back is currently doing poor in the under-23s. So, you know, no, it's not doing poor. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> before you, before you, you go any further, he's being calm recently. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, carry on. That, that that whole situation is just so weird to me. It's like he and Fafana partnered each other, and Fafana has settled into the into the Premier League so easily, and it's probably like arguably top five centre backs in the league. And just Saliba can't get him. The thing, but um, Gabriel has been so good for you guys. Like he's been your player of the season so far, in my opinion. Hundred percent. Yeah. He's been the only good player this season. Back. Has anyone scored? Um, I wonder where he is in like your top goal scorers because I'm sure he's he's not that far behind first. Gabriel. He can't be like he must be second at least or third. Yeah, second or third. 
He's, La- he's got that great that defenders have and of scoring important times. Lacazette's um, your top scorer. On three, right? Yeah, and Gabriel and, and Aubameyang both have and two. Aubameyang on two. And I'm sure both of Aubameyang's are pens as well. No, one of them was a curler against Fulham. Oh, yeah, that was a yeah, really of course. good curl. But no, so Gabriel's um, basically outscoring Aubameyang in terms of open play goals. That's nice, Senator. Gabriel was one person that I wish United signed. He, yeah, you know, he would have, would have allowed like there's very few good left foot centre backs. It just would have allowed us to do so much more. Um, but back to Arsenal, it's just like you just need to get players in in January. No one's been speaking about it, but you definitely need a centre back. Um, no, that has been mentioned actually. Ornstein came out of a report saying that. Arsenal looking again a right centre back and getting an attacking midfielder in January, so that, that, I'm not, that I'm not sure who the right centre back will be, but in terms of in midfield we've been linked heavily with Shabozlai from Salzburg, and a few little rumblings here and there of Awa, but I don't think that will be done till summer. So I think Shabozlai is the one that we're really trying to target and get. I really yeah, I think... rate him, but I don't think his profile suits what you need. Feel like he's more of a habits. I feel like he's more of a habits type, whose main main attribute or is to is to get a goal. It's interesting to you say this as well. Is that his main attribute is to get a goal because Arteta actually spoke in midweek before the Rapid Vienna game right now, and was saying that the team needs more goals from midfield, and that's kind of true because of. We lost Aaron Ramsey, and since then we've not really replaced them at all. And many articles state that we view Shabazzla as, as somebody that can play in central areas, even though he's played a lot of games for Salzburg out wide. So if he does come to us, he'll probably play in that 10 role, or if he's needed, play out wide on the left while Aubameyang stays central, as he's done for the last two games. But the key thing about him is that his ball striking is immense, and He'll get you goals from distance or like closer. And he just gives you that little bit of ingenuity that we're lacking in our attack right now. Yeah. And actually, that's one thing his set pieces. Like every time I see this guy over a free kick or a corner, I feel like he's going to score. He's just got that aura about him. That, and it's the way he kind of just, he gets so much power, so much speed and so much whip on his deliveries, on his shots. I'm just, every single time I feel like something's going to happen. I'd, I'd be re- I'd genuinely I'd be worried if you guys got him because he's a player I rate very heavily. But yeah, I'm I'm just not 100 percent sure about whether his profile fits you guys or not. And honestly, I th- I think he's going to go to Leipzig. I think he'll go to Leipzig, play for a year or two under Nagelsmann, and then he'll move to one of the top top clubs in Europe. He's good because he's got a lot of quality. But um, moving on away from Arsenal into the Champions League, so completely away from Arsenal. Um, wow. Okay, say no more. We'll we'll see at the end of the season, don't worry. We're we're we're, we're rubbish now, but we never know what will happen. So Yeah, we'll, we'll, it'll be interesting to see. But um yeah, so obviously United just such a frustrating game against PSG yesterday. You know, after the game and after I saw Ole's comments saying like I don't think anyone can leave disappointed because of how entertaining the game was, like I was genuinely pacing around my around my room for like half an hour. Just back and forth. I, I, was, I just love Oli's quotes, man. 
my, my head was so hot and I know like you've got to take everything he says with a pinch pinch of salt but to say that after a loss like oh my god I, I was I was genuinely furious I was I, I, I couldn't sleep until like 5 6 a.m yesterday it was just <laughs> playing on my mind like I was so so frustrated but the general performance was poor like Fred what was he doing that first half no, uh, uh, Peter, I'm going to let you talk first. I'm going to let you talk first about what Fred is doing. Fred, he has what they call the bozo gene. He got onto a yellow card very early. He probably should have already been booked before he got his yellow card. And he just didn't change his style of play the whole, the whole game. I do think he was unlucky with the challenge that actually got him sent off. I do, don't think that was a foul, let alone a yellow card. But he had made enough challenges prior to get sent off, and he was very um, he was very lucky that the VAR made, uh, that the referee gave him a yellow card. I've seen much less be given as reds, and yeah, it was just bad in game management from Ole. I feel like everyone on Twitter could see that this is a red card coming. And we stuck it out, and it was a red card coming. And since then, since that point in the game, couldn't really grab a hold of it. Didn't I don't remember us creating a chance after that. We were just playing at their game. And now they have the advantage in the head-to-head, so we need to get a point. Yeah. And I'm confident we'll still qualify, but just, like, I'm, I'm glad Fred's not going to be available because he's actually annoyed me, like... Firstly, why, why, why did he headbutt Paredes? Like, what was the need? What was the point? Like, he is he's a lucky man to not be sent off that, considering Pepe got sent off for that exact same thing against yeah, Leeds. Different competitions, I guess. I can't believe that he ran to one monitor. He missed... The monitor was on the other side of the pitch, so he ran to the other side of the pitch. So first, he couldn't even find the monitor, which is just mad. And then he looks at it and gives a yellow card. Does that make yeah. any sense? Like... The ref that was, was completely clueless. The, the ref was just and completely then, clueless, man. Like, I, I just, how do you make these decisions? Then, the, then somehow when Fred went in, that studs up on that player, the player who got fouled got a yellow. Like. <laughs> oh, Paredes, I think. Yeah. Yeah, man, that was crazy. But, I, 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 was just, I was just laughing at how bad the ref was, but it was just that first half from Fred was horrible. That second half, he started playing better, but he was a red card waiting to happen. And yeah, the actual challenge that got him set off, I don't think it was a foul that like he got the ball. But it's just he like... Rode, he rode his luck the time. He rode his luck. Like, you know, he, he got he got his what he, what he deserved in, at the end of the day. And yeah, it's poor in-game management from Ole to have not seen like, that there was a red card coming, that... You know, knowing Fred's style of play as well and how intense he is and stuff, like he should have been taken off earlier. I, I would have taken him off at half time for Matic personally, and then brought on Pogba for McTominay around 55, 60 minutes. Especially, you know what? There's around those first 15 minutes of the second half, like we actually started really well. We came out really well, and I think the game at that point was crying for a Pogba. So at least like take off Fred at that point, make sure he doesn't get sent off and bring on Pogba to kind of change the game. But and, and and another thing, Rashford, about 10 minutes before he came off, his shoulder was causing him pain. You could physically see him grimacing. Like 
he was clearly in pain and it was affecting him on that right-hand side. Like he started drifting in field a bit, not staying wide. And Thomas Tuchel saw that. So he's, I, I saw a friend of this. He subbed on back air for Moise Key and switched to a 3 5 two, I think it was. Had back air played on the left-hand side and straight away... That's very smart, man, yeah. Yeah, and they won a corner from down that left-hand side and scored off that corner. So, you know... And and that's the in-game management. Like I actually, there was the video that went around of Bruno shouting at Ole that he needed to make a sub. And like your own players shouldn't have to be telling you that, especially as the to manager fair, of Manchester I United. Feel, I feel like that's been taken out of proportion. I feel like he was calling for the bench to take Rashford off rather than calling for a sub. I feel like it was just people wanting to take the mid-card of United. Like, don't get me wrong, I want to do that as well. But I feel like it was just for the sake of getting Rashford off the pitch, if anything. Yeah, and I, and I agree with that. But like, if he should have noticed, I think he, he already should have noticed anyway. And if he did already notice, then I apologise. I'm completely wrong. I'm being an idiot right now. But if he's not noticed that, then like I, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's just not acceptable. And it's his in-game management has played a big part in losing us this game, as well as Fred. And now, and now like, Martial's missed chances, like... You know, his all-round game wasn't so bad. He created some very good chances. Well, there was one real good pass to to uh, Bruno Fernandes from deep, and Bruno, for some reason, tried to pass it instead of volley it. And I don't know why he didn't shoot. Then there was a good pass to Rashford. He released Cavani as well with that chip as well, where his second chance came. But it's, again, like, those missed chances cost us. And everything else good he did, it goes out the window now that he's missed those chances and like we, we've spoken about Martial but he's got to hold some blame I think because you know that, that just you've got to be putting those chances away and if he scores that it, the second chance I wasn't even as mad about like you know what I genuinely think that's a good block from Marquinhos but it's that first chance which has really annoyed me like he's leaned back too much and got too much height on it he just needs to slot it in but it's just, once again, it's inconsistencies from Manchester United and it's it's frustrating to see. I feel like for a lot of the game, there was a point where you were just in the ascendancy, you're getting chance after chance. Like, if anything, you could have even scored four goals yesterday, but you just were not clinical and you had your chances. Then, as you were saying before, when Tuchel brought on Mitchell Becker, Neymar was combining quite a lot with him with those, like, balls into him like over the top or just on the ground and from then on you could just see that yeah PSG were going to win this and take their chance in the end so it's just a case of that I wouldn't really blame Oli for this it's more of a case of your players were just poor in front of goal bar that unlucky shot from Cavani that hit the ball but your players were just too bad in front of goal and you should have won that game to be honest yeah we I, I agree we definitely should have won but it's yeah it's just frustrating. It's in the games like these, you need your players to step up. Neymar did that. He showed exactly why many consider him to be the best player in the world because he stepped up. United, despite all the quality we have from some of these players, they didn't, they didn't step up. But now moving on to Chelsea, um, Giroud, wow, what a performance from him. I didn't see that coming, but he's got an excellent record in... Europe and he's he's not far off being France's all-time top scorer. Karis, what kind of legacy do you think Giroud's going to retire with? This Giroud guy is so annoying because when he was at Arsenal, like don't get me wrong, I loved his link-up play. 
and stuff. But for the fair few goals that he would score, he would also miss quite a few. And ever since he's gone to Chelsea, it's kind of like, you know, it's like Chelsea have seen Giroud at his peak and we saw Giroud at his inconsistent best, which is quite annoying. And I still value Giroud, even though, you know, he wasn't always the best for us. He was like a second-rate striker, if we're being honest. But I feel like now his legacy is going to be quite impressive. Maybe a bit of a false image, but it'll be a good a good um, legacy, nevertheless. Like, he scored some brilliant goals across his career. I think his European record is absolutely crazy. Like, I can't remember the exact number, but it was something along the lines of, like, in 60 games, he's got, like, 50-odd goals and assists. So... Yeah, I think it was like 53 and 64. That's him. That's yeah, very impressive. Yes, it's mental in Champions League and Europa League games. So that just shows you that he can be very clutch as well, which is good. And you know the way that he brings people to play. Like after lockdown, him and Pulisic had such a good partnership with each other. And yeah, scoring four goals as well. There's, there's no mean feat, to be honest. So I'm just, from a neutral point of view, I'm happy for him that, you know, He's doing well because there were rumours that he was going to leave Chelsea in January if he couldn't get game time. But it seems that Frank woke up, started playing them, and now he's producing the goods for Chelsea. And hopefully he doesn't get Henri's record. But if he does, then, you know, good for him. He's done well for France, really. So not bad for a go-kart, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that, that, quote, that quote's always really impressive. But um, no, I'm, I'm sure you're happy for him. You're frustrated he couldn't give us all the assist record in fifteen sixteen, but happy for him nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and Peter, like I'm sure like Giroud's actually quietly gone around and had a fantastic career and got himself a pretty impressive legacy. It's insane what he's done. It's like he legit as you said, he's just quietly gone about become Arsenal's fifth all time top scorer. I think he's now in the he's in the Prem Hundred Club. I mean, fifth all-time top scorer in the Premier League, I should say. And I do believe he'll finish his France career as their all-time top scorer as well. He has, as you guys have touched on, an insane European record. He has a beautiful catalogue of goals as well. And he's had a brilliant career. He'll retire. He won't retire as one of the greats, but he'll retire as a very well-respected player. And four goals in the Champions League is nothing to be sniffed at. He now owns the record for his what oldest player to score a hat trick in the Champions League. Yes, I and that. Now yeah. oldest player to score four goals in the Champions League, and I do not believe that that will be beaten for a while, despite the players such as Cristiano Ronaldo and Ibrahimovic that are still kicking about at, at, at older than him. Yeah, definitely. Anyways, um. So quickly, this weekend we've got some pretty decent games coming up and quick predictions. So for City and Fulham, I'm, I'm going a comfortable City win. I'm sure you guys both say the same. I'd say 6-1. I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past them, to be honest, after last week. Karis? I'm going to go 4-2 City. I still feel like Fulham will score some goals. I feel like Adamona Lukman's looks good recently, for example. So... I do feel like they will give it a good go, but I think you should win that one. Yeah, I think I think something like four two five one, something like that. But um, yeah, United West Ham uh, at West Ham. I think United are going to take this two one. 
Yeah, that would be my prediction as well. 2-1 or 2-0. I'm going to go for a narrow West Ham win just to shake things up. Whew, interesting. I mean, I'm yeah, gonna I would I'm going to say 2-1. I'm going to say 2-1. I'm going to say Jared Bowen is going to score two goals. Yeah, yeah honestly, he's wouldn't shock me. Yeah, see, I've got Ben Rahma in mind, but it wouldn't shock me if we lost to West Ham. See, I, 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 I'm going to make a bold prediction. I think Martial's going to score this weekend. Uh, just West Ham's his favourite team. It's his birthday. Like, he's just, I, I just think he's going to break this duck. Uh, Chelsea play Leeds, and that is going to be an interesting game, I think. A really interesting game. I'm, I'm not sure. That can go either way, I think. I'm going to go with 2-0 Chelsea. I just feel like the way they're going, they're still, they're keeping loads of clean sheets. Mendy's doing really, really well for them. And just going forward, they just have a variety of options to always find a way. It'll be, I think Leeds will still have quite a few chances. I could be wrong since that, that, that they won't score. But I just feel like Chelsea have been so solid. They'll continue to get the clean sheets they're getting. Yeah, I, I think if Chelsea score, I think Timo Werner will have a good game because he's against the high line and we know that's where he thrives. Yeah, I'm going to say 3 0 Chelsea. I'm, I'm going to go for a 3 2 Chelsea or even a 4 3, maybe. I feel like this game will be high scoring. Um, yeah, and then Spurs and Arsenal, big one. Uh, I'm going to go for a Spurs win. I just I can't see Arsenal beating Spurs right now. I really can't. I'm go- Actually, I'm going to go for like 3 1 to Spurs. I want to hear what Karis says. Hmm. My head's... Okay, I'll give two answers. My head says Spurs will beat us 3-1. My heart says that... What is it? Aubameyang will find his form and will somehow be able to create and will win 2-1. Both teams always score the same. I think now, so. The thing is that for with Northern Derby as well is that form also goes out of the window. Yeah. Every Northern Double play has always been close. Like both teams always score. So I don't feel I feel like despite the fact that we've been so bad, then there's not really much reason for us to be optimistic or for you guys to give a better prediction. I feel like we're gonna show up for that game and it will be close. Like not saying that we have a right to win, but it will be a very close game for sure. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Lacazette scored last time. I'm sure you'd love to see that again. I guess so. If if he <laughs> scored the game then it's fine. As long as he leaves in in the summer, I don't care if he scores. That's it. Yeah, that's fair. Peter, prediction now? 4-0 to Tottenham. I think one, you guys yeah. are going to get whooped. Say no more, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely I, see I, I just don't choice. see you guys being... <laughs> Alright, cool. Thank you for tuning in this week. Uh, make sure to tune in next week. Our episode is going to be an all-time Premier League 11 drafts and that's going to be very interesting, going to spark a lot of debate, but it'll be a good episode. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining me, guys. No worries. Pleasure to be here. Yep. Thank you for having me. All right, cool. See you guys next week. <laughs>